So today is Wednesday, July 29th, and welcome to IAB Real, where the leaders of the IAB and the IAB Tech Lab come together to discuss the important issues of the day. My name is David Cohen. I am the president of the IAB. I am typically joined by either Randall Rothenberg or Dennis Buckheim, Randall, the CEO of the IAB, and Dennis, the president of the IAB Tech Lab. But today, we have a very special session. We have the next generation of leaders that are joining me for this chat. Uh, some up and coming rock stars, and I am fortunate to be joined by Nina Munoz, the director of the Video Center of Excellence, and Kate Edmondson, the learning and development coordinator at the IAB. Welcome, ladies, to IAB Real. Thank you for having us. Yes, this is going to be fun. So we're going to just talk about all manner of things from um, careers to passions, likes, dislikes, all that kind of fun stuff. So why don't we just, uh, we'll just dive in. And um, I know that um, some of our careers have been long and winding like mine. Some of our careers have been fairly short and uh, are just starting. But uh, I'll start with you, Nina. If you could just take me on a quick Reader's Digest and I'm probably dating myself by even using that as a term, a quick Cliff Notes version of how you made it to the IAB, that would be awesome. Sure. Um, so I think my career path is somewhere in the middle of being super short and long and windy. Um, I have been in the media and advertising industry for nine years. And thinking back prior to college, it's funny because I was pretty sure that I was going to be an accounting person. Um, but enter into my second accounting course, I really wasn't enjoying it. Um, I actually got my first seat ever in that class. And after um, some soul searching and quite a few tears, if I'm being honest, um, I realized that I really enjoyed my market research classes. You know, it still dealt with numbers, but the story behind those numbers was much more interesting to me. Um, we got to talk about what people were buying and what they were watching on TV um, versus talking about accounting principles. And so I was lucky enough after college to get a job at Nielsen in a market research capacity. Um, I was doing custom research studies for publishers, doing things like ad effectiveness study, audience profiling, just really helping them build their ad sales stories. I was at Nielsen for just over six years in a variety of different roles and functions. And at that point in my career, I was really looking to dive deep into the digital world. And that is what brought me to IAB, um, to be exposed to the digital ecosystem. What better place to be than the IAB where we get to talk to people from across the industry to hear what, what their strategies are, where their areas of opportunity are, what their challenges are, um, and help them shine a light on those areas. That is awesome. And that was great. And that was succinct. And that was fantastic. Thank you for sharing that. And now, Kate, you um, have had a, uh, um, you just got out of school about a year ago, I think. So what did you study in school? Did that help you arm you with what, uh, you know, to what you were going to witness in the kind of professional world and how did you end up uh, at the IAB? 
Hi, yeah, so I just graduated from University of Virginia, and I believe Nina is also an alum, so major shout that is out just, to- That's just happenstance, by the way. That is not planned <laughs> at all. Yeah, I graduated in 2019, so I just missed that COVID cutoff, which I'm very thankful for. I got a bachelor's in foreign affairs, which at University of Virginia Foreign Affairs is everything from international business to politics to why we operate the way we do as human beings within society. So wow. I had a range of interests. Um, and when I graduated, I quite honestly, I really thought I wanted to be in public relations. So I reached out to a bunch of companies and people I knew in the industry. And after a while, I just felt it wasn't a good fit. And I should say, I really was a kid who did not have work experience. I was a student athlete at University of Virginia. Um, and what rowing, kind of rowing, rowing, rowing. Nice. I was a coxswain. I was the little person who yells. And <laughs> so I did not. I don't know you well, but I can see that. I don't uh, know. Yeah, most people say that. But although I didn't complete four years of rowing at University of Virginia, it's one of those sports that's fall, winter, spring, summer. And I never had a free summer to pursue an internship. So I really had no idea what I wanted to do. And it turned out I joined the UVA Club of New York. And I was crazy about networking and meeting people. So I went to one event that was, I think it was called Who is in the Entertainment or Who's in the Media Business? And I met Patrick Dolan, the old IAB, previous IAB president. And it was actually at the IAB Tech Lab, um, Ad Lab in uh -huh. our office in New York. And I thought it was the coolest thing in the entire <laughs> world. And he gave a little short synopsis of what the IAB was and what it did. And I just thought that was so cool that there was an international component, that there were subsidies all over the world, and there was some legal, and there was media, and there was marketing. It kind of spoke to all of my interests. So I stalked him a little bit and got more information, and we did some coffee chats. And then I pursued the learning and development team, which I thought would be where I could grow my strengths <laughs> um, and it just kind of worked and I joined the IEB as an intern in September and then got hired full-time I think in January of 2020 so yeah. it's been a short time but I really enjoyed it thus far um, and I it was just kind of an opportunity that I thought that was really cool let me jump on it and it worked out for me so awesome. I'm happy about that. <laughs> That's a great story. I'm glad I just heard that story. That's awesome. So, so just staying with you for a second then, what exactly do you do now? So learning and development, what's your, what's your role? So for learning and development, I think there's a bit of confusion on what we actually do. And within the learning and development team, there's different squads, teams, people who do radically different things. We have instructional designers, we have the people who create our learning courses and content, but myself in my role, and I work very closely with my direct report, Alicia Stansbury, and we work on the managing, execution, and delivery, all that good stuff of our training courses, whether that be in-person, now virtual. So I'm the person who they come to me and say, we want to do a privacy essentials webinar. I go into Salesforce. I set that all up. I, register, I make sure we're getting all attendees record, tracked, recorded, and then I do the Zoom component or the in-person component and see that through and then follow up with attendees and it's just a cycle. And so it's been kind of interesting. So I can sit in and learn as a student, but I'm also in some senses the teacher 
Um, and I've been pulled into all aspects of the creation, the execution, all that good stuff. So it's been exciting and a great learning experience. Nice. Very cool. Okay, cool. And now Nina, Video Center of Excellence sounds very important. What, what, what do you do? What is the Video Center of Excellence and what are you doing? Yes, yeah. I like to think that it is very important. So, so that's good. <laughs> I do too. I do too. Um, so within the Video Center, our big overarching mission is to help advance digital video as a medium for advertising. Um, and we do that by really identifying what are the main areas of opportunity, what are the challenges, and we put out research and thought leadership and tech standards, um, and also create events um, and forums for people to come together to address those areas. Uh, so this year we do have four main areas of focus. Uh, one, we're working on propelling the adoption of streaming video and advanced TV. Two, we are working on pushing standards and education for cross-platform video measurement. Third, we're communicating technical standards in business terms so everyone understands why being up to date on the tech standards is important and will hopefully adopt the latest and greatest standards. And lastly, and especially important this year, is really um, making sure that our industry is informed about all the privacy regulation that is happening um, and that everybody is ready for, for things like CCPA. Got it. And I think that that further illustrates that that is super important. And just from my experience being involved in kind of all the things that we're doing, lots of interest, lots of involvement, lots of members that are really leaning into that. So that's, uh, that's super cool. Let's talk about um, like the past four months, um, you know, my starting at the IAB on April 1st was, uh, I think I saw you, Kate, in the office maybe a day or something. Uh, and then we all started working from home and it's been a really interesting kind of uh, experiment, I suppose, in lots of different ways, uh, social experiment, business experiment, professional experiment. Um, how has it been going for you? I'll turn it to either of you that want to take it. And is there something that's surprising that you have realized in this kind of work from home uh, timeframe. Kate, you wanna try, wanna take it? Yeah, so I think there's two parts to my work from home experience and it's good and bad on both sides that I'm the oldest- be real, so we keep it real, bad is it? <laughs> um, much like I'm sure many listeners, I am the oldest of four children and two are in college, one is in high school, so everybody's home. That puts six people under one roof. Wow. And although the house is big enough, it never seems quite big enough for <laughs> six right. people to literally be working from home, taking school from home, on the Wi-Fi, in rooms. And just yesterday on the all hands, someone messaged me that my brother walked behind me shirtless. Oh. So it's been a struggle to be in the house, but at the same time, I love the freedom of waking up and working out before work because I woke up at, I don't know, 6.45 instead of 7, where typically that's spent commuting yes. or getting the opportunity to, after work, go to the beach and do things that I've never been able to do before while working or going to school and kind of having flexibility in my schedule for the first time. But... I think the most exciting part has been that my work has not slowed down. It has actually been increasingly <laughs> stressful as we have an audience we can now capture that we weren't able to do with just strictly in-person classes. 
So the work is never done. And it's so exciting to be in my position that I'm so grateful for the work from home. But at the same time, I could use a vacation for my family. <laughs> yes, amen to that. I, uh, I, I hear that loud and clear. How about you, Nina? What's it like uh, working from home for you? It's funny because I was never somebody who very much enjoyed working from home or wanted to work from home often. Like I liked getting up in the morning, getting dressed, going to work, seeing my coworkers. And so when the initial announcement came that we were going to be working from home, um, we initially thought it would be for two weeks, right? And I remember the first day I hit about 1 p.m. And I, I just thought, I'm not going to be able to make it through these two weeks. Like I'm not, my apartment is not good for this. We're not set up for work from home. Um, so fast forward now, and, and we realize that this is a long-term thing. We're four or five months into it. And I've settled into a good routine and two really positive things that I think have come out of it is um, one with the whole company being work from home. I think our communication has to be so much more purposeful. Um, and I actually think that the, the cross team collaboration and communication has gotten better. And then second, similar to what Kate said, it's been really exciting to see um, how the IAB and how the whole industry has met the challenges that this has presented us. Um, the fact that we were able to take New Friends, which is a massive in-person week-long event and turn it virtual um, was such a feat to see. Um, so there's a lot of good innovation happening during this time as well. Got it. And then I don't know if you saw, um, not that this is an indication of what we're going to be doing. Obviously, as we all know, we're going to be working from home until at least January 4th. But uh, yesterday or two days ago, Google announced that they're uh, not having their folks come back until July of 2021, which I was mm -hmm. thinking, holy mackerel, oh. another year of me sitting in this room. Oh my Lord, I, I couldn't even imagine. So, I mean, we are at, at our core, we're social beings. At our core, we are, we miss that kind of hallway talk, the pop into someone's cube, the kind of, it's, it's gonna be an adjustment. I, I hope that we're not all kind of uh, home until uh, July of next year, but we'll see how that, how that works out. Um, all right, let's talk about um, something uh, else. And this is uh, Gen Z is a topic, Kate, that you might know something about. So we just had a event last week on uh, Finding the Z's, very clever uh, title. And uh, Gen Z is a, is a cohort that everyone is super interested in, has a set of values and beliefs that is, uh, that is interesting. So as an IAB Gen Zer, Kate, can you debunk any kind of myth or um, like what, what do we think about Gen Z's and you're like, no, that's actually not true. I think personally that there's a duality of Gen Z's that often gets overlooked, that there is a technical, technical aspect of being a Gen Z where if you're a brand and you put up a TikTok, I'm going to like that. I'm going to think that's funny. Maybe it wasn't funny, but it's funny that you tried. I'm making fun of boomers on the internet. The whole tech aspect is huge, and it's something that when I watch presentations, I am 
internally screaming at all the things that are going on. And it's not because I'm a tech wizard or I'm on the ops team. It's because I grew up on the computer, on a phone. I just know how to work technology. But equally as important is I would call it, and this is a little controversial, but the morality of Gen Z's where we care so strongly about politics and social causes and just good human beings that I sure going to an office that has cold brew on tap and a ping pong table that's awesome but if you're not treating your employees with respect and acknowledging the stripes and the positive aspects of life that everyone goes through as a gen z i'm not compelled to go and want to throw myself into that work if that makes sense that we care so much about causes and yeah. humans and everything that's not necessarily just a pen to paper working for a business and the money and the bottom line that that is so important to gen z's and i think that gets overlooked that there's the ping pong table the cold brew the TikToks, but people don't get at the root of what gen z's really are and that's like passionate compassionate young people who want to make change so i think that is the part of gen z's that doesn't get enough credit yeah. and is something companies if they don't get on board with that are going to lose out on a lot of talent coming up mm, that's interesting and uh, as someone who lives with two daughters who are in the gen z cohort i can uh, i can attest that you're onto something there so i think that you're you're absolutely right something that comes to mind as you're talking yesterday we had an event um, step in and step up um, allies for action, which was really around um, what we're going to be doing in the area of diversity and inclusion. And one of the things that came up was this idea of reverse mentoring, uh, which I thought was really interesting. It's not the first time I've heard of it, but it's, there was a lot of passion for it. Mentoring is typically, you know, the sage, wise, old uh, folks imparting their knowledge on kind of younger uh, folks, and that's actually uh, not necessarily the best thing for the business or for the world. So wouldn't it be great if we had a, uh, a cohort of Gen Z's kind of reverse mentoring uh, folks who are kind of uh, stuck in their ways and doing the same thing for year after year, which um, hopefully we can do something with. Hopefully that'll be a, an outgrowth of one of our, uh, our workshops. One of my favorite questions when I talk to um, folks that are kind of either mid in their career or starting out in their career, and this is just a great one for you to think about, is if you were to give yourself some uh, advice, so you speaking to your younger self, and your younger self could be anything, could be your high school self, could be your college self, could be whatever period of time you want it to be, because as we grow, no matter how old you are, you learn. What, what is a piece of advice that you would give to your younger self today, Nina? I would tell myself to spend less time trying to plan out what my whole career is going to look like um, and not thinking about the question that we hear so much, right? Like, where are you going to be in five years? Yeah. Because <laughs> I think in this time, what it's shown us is that our industry and, and really the world in general is moving so quickly that who knows where we're going to be in five years. I think it's more important to try to be curious about everything around you, right? Even within the media and advertising industry, there's so many different sectors that you can learn about. Um, 
there's research, there's ad tech, there's the standards. And so to the extent that um, you can remain curious about all of the things in your industry or outside of your industry, um, I think people will be well positioned for whatever may come. I love that. Don't overthink it. Good. Yeah. And you, Kate, what do you think? What would you tell your younger self? I would tell my younger self to not care what other people think. Mm. I think as a Gen Z specifically, you grew, I grew up with Instagram and Snapchat and Facebook and all those social media platforms that it became a contest. I want to go to Harvard because I want to post that on my timeline on Facebook. Yeah. Harvard is not a good fit for me. I think I would fail right out of that school, but it's all about the appearance that you put on social media. And I definitely got caught up in that. And it took me a while to circle back and really constructively look at what I was doing and who I was hanging out with and my time spent and think about what do I actually like? Who do I actually like? What do I actually want to do? And then just kind of go with that and not apologize and not care about social media gossip or whatever have you and just kind of go from the heart and your social media will then reflect that rather than throwing social media out and trying to take that into your heart if that resonates. Oh, it resonates more than you know. I've had a conversation with my oldest daughter who, God bless her, has a snap score of like 2.5 million <laughs> and is on Instagram all the time. And it's all about when's the right time to post. If it doesn't get the number of likes, am I going to take it down? And it's really, I mean, that's, uh, listen, I, I understand that that's at some point in your life that's important. But in the grand scheme of things, uh, I'm sure if I were to ask her that question in five years from now, she'd probably have similar uh, kind of thinking back to herself. My answer to that question, just in case you're curious, is uh, speak less and listen more. Because I think that, you know, generally, um, you know, we have been habituated, uh, I have been habituated throughout my career to always have the answer, have a point of view, have an opinion, always be kind of very forthright with that. And and I have found actually in many cases, um, listening more is actually a, a better uh, piece of advice than um, opening your mouth and saying something that's actually either not relevant or uh, doesn't take into account kind of the, the situation that you're in. So uh, speak less, listen more. All right, so let's, um, let's so we're, we have about 10 minutes left. I want to just talk about kind of just uh, get a better understanding of you as people. So passions, interests, activities that you enjoy doing, uh, a good binge, a good watch, a good book. Give me something. Who, who wants to start? I can go. Okay. Um, I will say like, I feel like I'm in the right industry because I love consuming media, whether that's watching TV, I listen to a ton of podcasts. I do a lot of reading as well. Um, so, you know, at a high level from, from a personal standpoint, I like pop culture. I'm a big reality TV buff. Um, from a professional viewpoint, definitely reading the trades and there's a lot of good um, media and advertising podcasts that are out there like like this one um, but I really love to use books and podcasts to dive into topics um, that you're just not familiar about and you want to learn from kind of a base level um, so two years ago I went really deep into learning about personal finance which we all should have learned at some point in our education but didn't um, and how to invest in the principles of investing, reading a lot of books by um, the likes of Susie Foreman and Sally, uh, Sally Krawcheck, 
And there's a really great podcast called Millennial Money, which breaks down these kind of dry financial topics into something that's super digestible. Um, and I, I'll also end to say that uh, recently in the last couple of months, I've, I've made a big effort to consume more books and content on anti-racism and what that means and reflecting on what I can do as an individual to make the world and our industry just a better place for everyone in it. What a super answer. Excellent. Kate? I know now it's going to sound like I'm copying. No, no, no. But I was going to say, I think people assume because I'm young and have a big personality, I'm the first person out at night on a Friday night, and that just cannot be less true. I'm a huge nerd. I love listening to podcasts. I have a rotation of three or four that I listen to in the morning that are just quick snippets of news, Wall Street Journal, New York Times, all great ones. And then at night, I think because I do spend a lot of time on my phone or on the computer, I don't sleep well when I go to bed scrolling through TikTok. So I put my phone down and I always try to read at least for 10 minutes, even if it's a couple pages, because it helps me sleep better. And I think as a younger person, always on their phone, it always shocks me how great books are. I'll mm-hmm. read something. I'm like, wow, this will change my life. This is so enlightening. This information is off the charts. Or, wow, I just read Gossip Girl, the Netflix show, on in a book. Like, who knew you could do that? So I read all the time, all genres. And that's kind of my escape from reality and something that I feel people should get more into, quite honestly. Totally. Yeah, totally get that. Um, Let's talk about an interesting conversation that either of you have had. Um, You know, we all get on these Zooms all the time, whether personal or business. Um, What's the most interesting conversation, Nina, that you have had in the recent past? There have been lots of interesting conversations, so I don't know if I can narrow it down to one, hmm. but I- You can go into re- politics. That's a very non-answer. I like it. <laughs> Great. I, I've enjoyed getting to talk to our members about um, the trends that they're seeing in their businesses and, and how they're adjusting to those trends. And one example I'll say is that um, when the pandemic hit, and this is something we talk about a lot, we saw that there was this surge in connected TV consumption, right? And from the outset, you would think that that must be wonderful for business. Everybody's watching it. And that means that there's more opportunity to sell ad inventory. Um, But when you dig into the dynamics a little more in these conversations, you realize that this actually happened at a moment where marketers are facing a lot of uncertainty Um, They're pausing or canceling ad spend. And so um, the price for CTV inventory decreased, which um, in the short term isn't good for publishers, but in the short term for marketers, it presented this opportunity um, for marketers to get in and test and learn and achieve this efficient reach. And so just hearing about how some of those trends are playing out and, um, they can sometimes be counterintuitive and how everybody is shifting and pivoting and thinking about what that can mean in the long term um, has been really interesting over the last couple of months. Cool. Kate, what about you? For me, I've been on a bunch of meetings in the recent past with Monique Nelson from UWG. 
And we always have the best conversations. I love UWG. I love all the people at UWG. And something we discovered through our, we actually did an L&D series with UWG on diversity and inclusion. And we went through and kind of found out through the experience that people are no longer tiptoeing around these issues. We would give an example that was the softball and they would come to us, the attendees and say, that's not good enough. I want a hard question that I have to think and analyze and come up with a right or wrong answer for you. I need you to tell me how I'm supposed to do this and no softball questions. We want it hard and we want it challenging. Yeah. Um, and that was such an interesting conversation when we were in a debrief and we were talking about that feedback that people no longer are tiptoeing around, oh, do we capitalize B in black or do we call African-Americans African-Americans or how do you approach this? They want to know and they'll chat in the chat those questions and they want an answer from you immediately, right or wrong, yes or no, or an explanation to how they should approach that. So I think that's extremely exciting for me personally, but it was so interesting to see unfold right in front of me and then talk to UWG about that afterwards. Super cool. That's super cool. And now for something totally different. I was educated. My interesting conversation, you know, I remember talking to my parents about relationships when I was growing up and I was like, my parents didn't have a clue. I had that moment with my daughter who was educating me on uh, what relationships are like and what things mean what in today's day and age. And I have to say, my head was spinning with uh, the complexity of what I thought meant one thing. And she told me, no, that's not how it works, Dad. So I was, uh, I was schooled on what it means to be an 18-year-old uh, girl in, in today's uh, society. <laughs> Very illuminating, I have to say. Okay, last question. Uh, this has been awesome. And all We've been off-road, on-road, we've been all over the place, which I knew, assumed we would be. Um, we're heading towards the back half of this year. We're heading towards 2021. Uh, could each of you give me a what you're optimistic about and what you're concerned about um, as we head into 2021? And we'll start with you, Kate, this time. I'm optimistic about, and I'm not trying to make either of you jealous, but as a young person with some money in the bank and no ties, I think myself and friends, we're going to experiment working from different locations and just see how that works out. Spend a month in Chicago, a month somewhere else. Um, so the whole taking Love advantage that. of the work from home, but the home kind of has no place anymore. Yeah. Um, I'm not gonna spend money on a rent in an apartment that I can't even utilize the city. So that's something I'm optimistic about is just exploration and I'm a huge travel head not that I'll be going anywhere, but that is what I'm most optimistic about is my future with this work from home. And I'm a little bit nervous about the ramifications of COVID mentally and on different people. I think I'm very social and I'm worried about the depression and all that good stuff of not being able to talk to people face to face for a very long time. <laughs> yeah, I hear that. And Nina, what about you? Um, just to add on to Kate's, I don't know if you've seen, but I think Barbados is letting people work there yeah. for a year. So you should check out that location. <laughs> we should do the IABB. Yes. <laughs> the future there. Um, what are you and, uh, optimistic about or concerned about? Yeah, 
I'll echo what Kate said. And, you know, I think we're all concerned about what the state of the world and our industry will look like in 2021. Um, I'm hopeful that there will be some rebound, but there's no doubt that we're going to be dealing with ramifications for what's been happening in 2020. Um, but I am optimistic, and I had mentioned this earlier, in these times, um, I think people and industries and companies are so resilient. Uh, we've seen a lot of innovation happen already, and I think we will continue to see that um, in all sorts of spheres, right? Like conference production, content production, um, and different marketing strategies. And so um, I'm looking forward to see what comes out of there. Awesome. And, and just from my standpoint, uh, I think the, the concern is fairly obvious. We're heading into a pretty uncertain kind of uh, social and economic and uh, political uh, season. So it's going to be unclear how things are going to shake out in that regard. And um, that's concerning. Uh, I'm optimistic uh, that we have uh, two young professionals like yourselves at the IAB that's going to help lead us to, uh, to the promised land. So I, I want to thank you both for uh, a great conversation. Uh, I think this has been really uh, interesting. I think we should do it again uh, sometimes. I think hearing from you know, the, the next generation of leaders is uh, equally important to hearing from myself, Randall, and, and Dennis. So uh, thank you both for participating. I've got one public service announcement at the end, uh, which is just to let everyone know that we have uh, something upcoming that is really tailor-made for brands. We have a brand disruption series, which is a host of virtual events uh, that are coming up uh, from September 9th to the 11th. We have the IAB podcast upfront from September 15th to the 17th, the IAB Tech Lab reboot. And then in November 9th through 10th, the brand disruption summit. That is all we have here from IAB Real. This is David Cohen.